Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. If you are here tonight for something other than the Song of Solomon, you've come to the wrong place. Uh, But we are glad that you are here, and I need to let you know something. Tonight's a little PG-13, okay? Um, (laughs) And everyone started to squirm right when I said it, okay? And uh, listen, God was very careful to express human sexuality in a very poetic way called the Song of Songs, the best of the best. Now, we know that Solomon wrote over a thousand of these stories, but this one made it into the Holy Scripture because God doesn't want the world to teach us about intimacy. He wants himself, who created intimacy, to teach us what holy intimacy looks like. Someone say, okay, heard mostly male voices, but that's all right. Song of (laughs) Maria, (laughs) Albert, don't shake your head. That's a positive thing. All right. Song of Solomon, chapter one. Ladies, we hit the guys last week. Guess what? It's your turn this week. Okay. We hit the guys pretty hard. Remember what, uh, what we studied, that she goes, you are good ointments. Don't get stuck on the biceps and the chest. Don't get stuck on the legs. Don't, let me tell you something, okay? (laughs) Around 65 years old, okay? I don't know when it happens, but this bicep or this, no, sorry, (laughs) this bicep is going to be one with my tricep, okay? Something is going to happen. She says, you are good ointments. We can't get stuck, ladies, on looking at the physique. She then says, your name is good ointments. And that's where we hit the guys. And I took you to 1 Timothy chapter 3 about what a church male leader should look like. And every man in this room should be developing that character. And one of the things that I said last week was, if you go out on your first date and he's looking around and every waitress that passes by and every woman that goes by and you're in a conversation with him and his eyes are like this, going like this, he can't even... Say goodbye. Don't even drive home with him. Call Uber. Get out quick. He is not a one-woman man. He is a multi-woman man. And the Bible says that a leader should be a one-woman man. And remember, gentlemen, I said I'm going to hit the ladies this week, so just stick with me till we get there. We have to remember about the Song of Solomon that she is writing a journal, okay? That's the way Solomon writes it. It's like a woman writing a journal about the relationship, and it begins with passion. Let him kiss me. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, okay? She wants this man. Now, they're like 80 years old when she writes this, and they're still passionately in love. And what we're going to find later on in their marriage is that she says... I am my beloved, and his desire, his passion, his romance is for me because there's a truth about love. Love 
grows and abounds. First Thessalonians chapter 3. Love does not stay stagnant. And that's why it's so important, gentlemen, for you to have this character and ladies, for you develop into a character that we're going to talk about tonight. Now remember, take a look, Song of Solomon chapter 1 verse 6. She says, do not look upon me. And what I believe the Holy Spirit is revealing to us, gentlemen, about ladies is their struggle with insecurity. She says, don't look at me because I'm dark. The sun has tanned me. My mother's sons were angry with me. They made me the keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I have not kept. She is revealing something about herself. She's revealing her insecurities that developed from her childhood. And she says, listen, I did what my brothers told me to do. I was submissive to my authority. Pastor Jeff, I thought he was so great today when he was talking about vows. And I actually remember when we used to say, to love, honor, and obey. I remember using those vows. We don't use them anymore. We use the word respect to be politically correct, okay? So understanding this woman, she recognized the importance of being submissive to authority, but she's also teachable. She also says, my own vineyard I've not kept. Listen to the humility that is in our ladies. Now, guys, I told you, We're going to understand the kind of woman that we should be in pursuit of if you're single. But if you're married, ladies, listen, this is the kind of woman that you need to be purposing to become. Turn with me to 1 Timothy. Keep your finger here. Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5, Paul is giving instruction to the church about taking care of the widows. Now, let me tell you what a widow is. A widow is a woman who has lost her husband. Keep that in mind. A widow is a woman who has lost her husband. It says in 1 Timothy chapter 5, there's an issue about how do we take care of those women. Paul gives us some parameters. Ladies, listen carefully. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 9. Do not let a widow under 60 years old be taken into the number. The responsibility was for the family to take care of the widow. And not unless, qualifications, she's been the wife of one man. Now this does not mean that she was not divorced. This means that she is also a one-man woman, that her desire was for her husband their entire marital life. Now, this is important. This is the end of this woman's life. And what Paul is saying is, let me tell you what a Christian woman should look like at the end of her life. This is the kind of woman that the church is responsible to take care of. She is got to be a one-man kind of woman. Look at what else, verse 10. Well reported for good works. She didn't do one and done. She was constant about doing good works. She was constant about making sure that people were taken care of. So much so, take a look what else she says. If she has brought up children. This is a woman that has a desire for a family to raise up godly offspring and to minister to her children. 
It's a passion of hers to be able to raise up a family. This is a Christian quality. The Bible says in the book of Malachi that we should raise up godly offspring. In fact, the Bible says that the older women in Titus chapter 2 should teach the younger women how to be homemakers. That does not mean that a woman doesn't need to work out in the business world because the Proverbs 31 woman had a business. She was out in the market making business as well as a homemaker in her home. It's important for us to recognize that. Listen, ladies, that it's not necessarily... Now, for Andre and I, we made the decision that Andrea was going to stay at home. And that was a lot of sacrifices for us. We couldn't do the vacations. We didn't have the great cars. We lived in a very small house. And we wanted to make sure that my wife could stay at home. That was our personal conviction that we felt was very important to do. Now, we had a very unique family, right? We have every tribe, tongue, and nation in our family. We raised two child soldiers. I mean, they needed constant supervision, Trust me. So we had something where we prayed through and said, Andrea, we want you to be able to stay at home. It's only recently that she went back to work. Um, She stopped working 20-some years ago. Once we've raised our children and Timon is where he's at, getting ready to go to college, she came back to work. So going to work is something that you need to be led of the Spirit, but the responsibility is that you are also a homemaker, someone who's investing into your children. Let me tell you something. Moms, if we're honest, us men know you do 80% of the work. And it's important. It's important. You're at home. You're making dinner. You're doing all of the things of raising those children. And dads, we need to be supportive. When we come home, here's what I always say. Do you know how an actor in Hollywood, they're waiting tables? You with me? You guys are just waiting for the PG-13 part. Would you just (laughs) come on along with me, okay? Do you know how actors, they're waiting tables in Hollywood, right? As soon as their agent calls, do they show up for work? No. That's why they have three and four waiters and servers on a waiting list because they know that if their agent calls, their first job is to get a part in a movie. Gentlemen, your first job is your home. You only go to work to support the first job. So when you get home, it's not time for you to sit on the couch and do nothing at home. It's time to engage and be a part because you only really have about three hours before they go to bed. And then you're back off to work the next morning and they're back off to school. And so gentlemen, it's important that the mom is not doing all of the work that you're engaging. Now take a look what else this woman is. She brought up children if she's lodged strangers. Gentlemen, you should be looking for a hospitable woman. You should be looking for someone that is willing to give to others sacrificially. Take a look at the next. If she has, uh, where am I? Lost strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet. Gentlemen, you should be looking for a woman who is a servant. 
someone that is willing to do the dirtiest of tasks and the highest of tasks. They don't care what it is. It's just a matter of serving because their service is not to the person that they're serving. Their service is unto the Lord. Now, let me tell you why that's important. Gentlemen, I hate to break this to you. This will hurt your pride. You, in all of your glory, cannot fulfill all the needs of your wife. In all of your goodness, the only person that can satisfy all of the needs of your spouse is Jesus Christ. So when you're looking for a woman, you want a woman that is serving the Lord Jesus Christ because he is the most important thing to her. Now, don't let that hurt your pride. You want a woman who Jesus, she, she is more in love with Jesus Christ than she will ever be in love with you. Hallelujah. Amen. I was going to say something about Andrew, but she's here tonight, so I'm not going to. <laughs> My wife, every morning, she is on her knees in our bed with the cover over her, because I like it cold, okay? With the cover over her, and she, I think she's in prayer. I mean, like, it looks like she's in prayer. I don't know if she's falling asleep. I don't know what's going on, and I'll tell you why. Our first year, we got into an argument, okay? It was a winner, all right? It was, it was a good one. Our first year, we got into quite a winner argument, and I went into the room, and I was upset, and I was going to just we were about to have some good, strong fellowship, okay? And I don't know if you know what that means, but we were upset. She, I was upset. I go in the room, and I've built up my argument, and I'm walking in to go and tell her this is how it is. And this was her. Lord Jesus, I just pray that you would just change my heart, change Chet's heart. And this was me. I did the. Yeah. <laughs> God bless you. God bless me. You know, thank you for this food. Like, I, I, you know, I'm totally humiliated because I married a woman that wanted to honor Jesus and found her full satisfaction in him alone. Ladies, wanting to serve. Take a look. If she has relieved the afflicted, don't you want a caring woman in your life? Someone who drives by and sees someone hurting and they want to stop. And I know, gentlemen, we've got our agenda and I know we need to get there on time. But don't you want a woman that sees a need on someone's life and heart and they want to do everything they can to make sure that they're taken care of? It goes on describing this kind of woman if she's diligently followed every good work. You see, this woman's in love with Jesus. And at the end of her life, she has a testimony of doing these things. And so when you are looking for a wife, and ladies, this is an opportunity for you to memorize the scripture and go, this is the kind of woman that I want to be. Now, remember, our lady is struggling with a little bit of insecurity. So go back with me to the Song of Solomon, and let's see 
what she does. Now remember she's teachable. Remember she's submissive. And I want you to see now as we get a little bit spicy and understand what's happening here, okay? Because of her insecurity, it's very important for her to know what she's looking for in a relationship. Because what you don't want is for some guy to come sweeping in with love and cards and flowers and they don't have a name or a character. Because ladies, we, excuse me, we, not a lady, um, <laughs> ladies, gentlemen, us, we, us gentlemen have a tendency to give love to get something. And ladies have a tendency to give something to get love. Did you hear me? Because of the insecurity, it's important that you recognize that. And so she knows that. And take a look at verse 7. She's speaking, tell me, O you whom I love. Now remember, they're married, so... They're in the middle of trying to decide who each other are now. She's entering her journal. Where you feed your flock, where you make it rest at noon. For why should I be as one who veils herself by the flock of your commandments, uh, uh, your companions? In other words, where do you park your car? Like, where do you go shopping? Okay, that's what she's basically saying here. I want to be wherever you are. And let me tell you what she knows. She knows what she needs. Take a look back at this verse. Where you feed, this word is filled. Now what happens when after Thanksgiving and you have filled your stomach? You're just like, you want to you be a couch potato. You're just, it's comfortable. It's just comforting. Um, I don't know what your comfort food is, but mine is ice cream. And whenever I'm having like a bad day, I want to have ice cream. And my ice cream go-to is, um, just in case anyone has it on their heart one day, I don't like, don't buy blue bunny ice cream. I've told my wife all the time. One day she came home with blue bunny and I said to her, listen, if we're going to spend money, we're spending it on ice cream, okay? Haagen-Dazs Belgian chocolate. Come on. I can do the whole pint if I've had a bad day, okay? Now, if I'm having a good day, just a little spoonful at the end of the day. It's like a vitamin. It's like, ooh, come on, you know? It's like, I'm going to go to bed, put a little spoonful in my mouth, and that way it's all there, you know, and do the whole deal. But when we feel comfortable, there's something about it that gives us like a safety and security, even in a bad day. And then she says this, where you make it rest at noon. This word rest is the word peace. And these are two words, gentlemen, that ladies are looking for. Comfort and peace. They don't want to be afraid when you come home as to what mood you're going to be in. It actually feeds their insecurity. What women are looking for is peace and comfort. And gentlemen, it's a man's responsibility to bring peace and comfort to the home. It helps your wife. It helps the woman in your life feel safe and secure. She knows what she needs. I need safety and I need security. And that comes from this man because I'm looking at him. He's organized. He's structured. He always goes to this one place. He's got a routine about him. I can expect that where he goes to feed his flocks, he'll always be there. And she goes, why should I be as one that veils myself? Now, you need understand what that means. We're going to get there in a minute. 
Because ladies, if you don't recognize the need for safety and security, you might look for love in the wrong person and the wrong place. Listen carefully. You might look for the love in the wrong person and the wrong place, going about it the wrong way, acting the wrong way, and that will always bring the next morning. It always brings some form of shame. You see, she says, why should I be as one who veils myself? In Genesis chapter 38, Judah had a daughter-in-law and married her son, the son died, married the next son, that son died, married the next son, that son died. Finally, Judah goes, okay, I'm getting the point here. She's the black widow, okay? And I am not giving my next child to that woman. So she goes, you go along and go out into the community, do your deal, you know, and then maybe when he grows up, we'll have you married because that was the way that it was supposed to happen. If the son died, the, it had to perpetuate the, the, uh, the son's name or the brother's name. So Tamar gets a hold of it. She realized Genesis 38, Judah has sent me out to pasture. He wants me to make a mistake with another man so that he can be relieved of the responsibility. So she comes up with an idea. She veils herself. Let me tell you what that means. She dressed like a prostitute. She went out into the street, and Judah comes up in the scene. (laughs) Hey, babe, (laughs) how you doing? And Tamar, the daughter-in-law, goes into the room with I told you it was PG-13. Went into the room with her father-in-law. They had a little hanky-panky. And he goes, well, I don't have any money. She goes, that's okay. Give me your scepter. Let me hold on to your stick. Give me your cloak. He goes, okay, hold on to it. I'm going to go get some money, and then I'll pay you for your services. When he came back with the money, she was gone. Then Judah found out that Tamar was pregnant. Oh, ho, 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 we got her. Bring in Tamar. We're going to stone her and then we're going to burn her. She shows up and she goes, hey, tell Judah the person that owns this stick and this cloak is the father of my child. And Judah goes, uh-oh. Sorry, sweetie, that was mine. <laughs> I mean, just imagine the turmoil that happened with his wife. And she says, wow, Tamar, you're more righteous than me. You see, what Tamar did was she dressed inappropriately to gain a man. Ladies, I need you to hear this. She dressed dressed inappropriately to gain a man. We've got to be careful Because men are visual. And if you choose to dress the way that attracts a man, and quite honestly, I call it C-squared, chest and cheeks. If you dress C-squared, chest and cheeks, 
you will attract that kind of man, and that kind of man is not the character that you're looking for. Dressing to attract a man, you will always attract the wrong one. Keep that in mind, ladies. And so, go. I told you we were PG-13 and you came. All right? This is the Bible. She says, why should I dress like this? Wait, don't leave yet. Uh, I promise to get worse. Okay, here we go. Verse 8. All right, I want you to see the fruit of her making the decision, I'm not going to dress to get your attention. I'm not going to be like one of those other girls that are going to go to the wrong place and go the wrong direction. Look at the fruit. Look at the kind of guy he is. Look at verse 8. If you do not know, O fairest among women, come on. Don't you want your guy calling you this? You fairest among women, like every day. Jimmy, I want you to call that to Dami every single day. Follow in the footsteps of the flock and feed your little goats beside the shepherd's tents. Look at the fruit of her making a decision. I'm going to do this the holy way. She found a guy that's concerned about her needs and her priorities. He's not looking to get anything from her. He's looking to give his life to her. That's the kind of man that we need to be, gentlemen. A man that's not looking to get, but a man that's looking forward to give. He's concerned about her needs. Here, you can feed your goats here. Here, you can feed, oh, fairest among women. Listen how he's talking to her. She's struggling with insecurity. Don't look at me. And what does he do? Oh, fairest among women. You're beautiful. You're unbelievable. Verse 9. I've compared you, my love. Listen to his little pet name. I've compared you, my love. What's happening? To my filly among Pharaoh's chariots. Now that probably won't go over well, too well this day and age to call your future spouse or your wife a horse, okay? You don't want to look and go, wow, you are as beautiful as a female horse. That's exactly what he's saying. Now I need to fill you in what's happening. A filly is a female horse. Pharaoh did not have any female horses in his battalion. He only had male horses, stallions, because stallions, if a spear goes in them, they're still charging. If a sword cuts them, they're still charging. A filly, there were no fillies. Okay, now I'm not saying anything about women when I did that. It's just the truth. I had horses. If a filly gets a thorn on it, it will not ride. But a stallion will ride no matter what. And what he's saying here is this. It's like you're the only woman in the world. My eyes are for you alone. Says what he says. Your cheeks are lovely with ornaments. Your neck with chains of gold. She's wearing a little bling. She's got earrings on. She's got gold on. Ladies, let me tell you something. It's okay to beautify as long as it doesn't control you. Did you hear what I said? It's okay to wear gold. It's, o- it's biblical. 
It's okay to have some earrings on. It's okay to put makeup on as long as it doesn't control you. Like you look in your closet and he calls for a date and you say, I have nothing to wear. Are you serious? Like you have a closet full of clothes and you're looking at all the, I have nothing to wear. It's okay to beautify as long as one day if he shows up, he shows up and he knocks on the door and you see him and go, ah, you can't see me like this. Like what? <laughs> like, like, I need to beautify. Well, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Week two in marriage, you won't be putting on makeup when you wake up in the morning, okay? Let me tell you something. It will get old because cleaning the pillows of all that makeup every night you go to bed is going to be a nightmare. <laughs> Jocelyn knows that story. <laughs> I love Sunday night. Your cheeks are lovely, your neck with chains of gold. Now look at verse 11. Now the women are speaking and they say this. We will make you ornaments of gold with studs of silver. This man has so much respect for his girlfriend that all the other women respect her because of the way that he treats her. Wow. It goes both ways. Andrew was at a Bible study years ago in a different state. And one of the ladies in the Bible study attacked her. And they said, you know, we all come here and you don't ever tell us anything about Chet. We want to know. She came home and she downloaded the whole situation. Am I getting the story right? Yeah, okay, I'm getting it right. She came home and she downloaded to me and she never went back to the Bible study. There's one thing I know about my wife. When I come to this church, people respect me more because of who she is. When they see her life and they get to know her, they actually like think I had something to do with it. Or like they're now just imagine if Andre was like this. Okay, she comes into South Bay. Hey everybody, I'm here. I expect some water now. Just imagine if she was like the first lady coming on in. Okay, where is my red carpet? Where's my special seat? Sometimes the ushers can't even find a seat for Andrea. And some people don't even know she's my wife. That would be a different story. Because who would respect me? Now, the same way. On the other side of it, my job is to build up my wife so that people respect her more. And there are some things that are just between Andrea and I. Do you know that I don't tell you everything from the pulpit? (laughs) Do you know that? You know why? Because we respect each other. For years, the church obliterated one verse. Oh, yeah, they stuck on wives, submit to your husbands. But they forgot the verse above it. 
submit one to another. And they accentuated only one portion of the Bible, diminishing the role of mutual submission that exists with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Respect. He's shown so much that now the women respect her. He has shown himself to be a godly guy. So here's what they do. She now says, I'll go out on a date with you. Take a look. It's verse 12. It's the date. All right, verse 12. While the king is at his table. Oh, a dinner date. She's watched this guy. He's got a good godly character. People are talking. Oh, you know how it is with the friends, right? Did you see that guy? Oh, he's a good one. Oh, God, she's so cute. Oh, my God. Are you guys, are you going to ask her? Are you not going to? I mean, just imagine what's going on with this couple. They decide we're going to have a dinner date. Now, here is something so important that you need to know. 1 Kings chapter 4 verse 22 tells us there were about a hundred people that sat around the table at Solomon's uh, dinner table every single night. And what I love about this, they're about to go out on a date and they choose to date with friends. They choose to date with friends. This is important. This is safe. This is safe, I mean. And it's so safe because it protects you from things. Let me explain. Andre and I still date. Dating is important. But pouring a good foundation of dating is just as important. And I've told my kids, friendships last longer than relationships. Become a friend and you'll have a lifelong relationship. If you start with relationship, it'll be over in a few months. Friendships make lifelong relationships, not the other way around. And so quickly we want to fall in love. So quickly we want to omit the friend part. Spend time getting to know the person with other friends. Because here's what happens. You can see the way that they treat their friends. You can see the way they talk about their friends. You can watch how they intermingle with their friends. Because what they're doing with their friends, their good friends, is how they're going to treat you. Because if you truly are a friend, then you're watching how he or she is going to treat you in the future. So they decide to date. And they go out on a dinner date. But we've got to be careful because dates can be dangerous. Now take a look at verse 12 again. My spikenard send forth its fragrance. Do you remember that first date? Gentlemen, how long did it take you to get ready? How many showers did you take? And did you put on Dior? Some of us are too cheap. I had Old Spice. (laughs) Who can afford that stuff, right? I mean, even you go to Macy's, you do buy one, get one, right? Do you remember that first date? Now, here's why that first date is so important. Here's why you got to remember, ladies, do you remember how long it took for you to get ready? Do you remember how times you fixed your hair and redid your makeup? Do you remember calling your friends and asking this outfit or that outfit? Do you remember how long it took to spray the jador on you? 
And I don't understand why it's a little chee-chee. But here now I understand. It's biblical. She says, my spikenard pulls forth its fragrance. Now I told you, dating is important because you need to learn from this experience of dating to date your spouse your entire marital life. There should be a date night in your marital life every week. There should be a date. And I know life happens. But date night needs to become a priority. And let me tell you why. Because in 25 years, the kids leave and it's just you and your spouse. And if you have neglected your spouse because you've spent so much time raising kids, when the kids leave, you won't even know your spouse. And Andre and I sit with those couples a lot. Dating is important, but the way that you date is important. And she thought it was so important, she did a little spike narch. And she's sitting at the table, and she does this. Pass me the broccoli. I'd like some more of that chicken. And then she does this. She gets up and She goes like this, I'll get the salt. (laughs) Yes, she did. Look what she said. My spike dart, my perfume is doing the work. It's doing something. The reason why we wear perfume and cologne is because we want it to do something. And she's getting all worked up. She's flinging spikenard here, there, and everywhere. And now he is getting worked up. Ladies, men are physical. Women are emotional. And I know I'm speaking in generalities. But men see things and smell things. And something happens. Women, my fair one, my love. (laughs) I hope this isn't on video. She's getting worked up. She's watching what's happening to him. Take a look at verse 13. A bundle of myrrh is my beloved to me that lies all night between my breasts. Oh my goodness, that word's in the Bible. Take a look at verse 14. My beloved to me is a cluster of henna blooms in the vineyards of Engedi. <gasps> what is happening? Now I need to help you understand, okay? He is not lying on her at this point, okay? What she's saying is, there's not a lot of water in Israel. So you know how like we take three and four baths to prepare to go out on a date, okay? Do you know how like you take a shower in the morning, you take a shower at night, you take a shower after workout? Like we do three and four, okay? And you'd never know in California that we are in a water drought. We can't give enough water to our farmers because you take so many showers. And so in Israel, there's not a lot of water. So you know what they used to do? Ladies, you know what it is. Do you know how you open your drawers? Gentlemen, you have no idea what I'm talking about, okay? You open your drawers and there's that little heart-shaped thing that you sewed and it's got potpourri inside. So when you open up your drawer, it's like, hmm. 
Oh, I love it. Gentlemen, we could care less about potpourri drawers, okay? And some of you are like, potpourri what? <laughs> okay, listen, it's a little teeny like satchel. Ladies, do you know what I'm talking about? You hear them like, yeah, we got one, okay? <laughs> All, right. All right, here's what they used to do. They used to take a little potpourri sa- satchel of myrrh, and they would wear it as a necklace at night because they couldn't take a shower. So that myrrh would be on them all night long on their heart so that when they woke up in the morning, they smelled great. What she's saying is, you're in my heart. You are in my heart, Spike Nart. <laughs> she's getting worked up. And then she says this, you're like a cluster of henna blooms in Engedi. Now I need to tell you something about Engedi. It's as dry as the desert. And in Getty is one little waterfall. And around the waterfall is the only place that you see green. And every spring, a henna bloom, a white or pink henna bloom pops up. And you know what she's saying? <laughs> Something's happening inside of me. I feel alive. That's what's happening. That's exactly what is happening. You guys, this is the Bible. It's not me. I'm just trying to make it real life for you. Her biology is kicking in. So look what they decide to do. They decide to go on a walk by themselves in the forest. First date. Bad Bad decision. Let's start. Behold, you are fair, my love. This is him speaking. Behold, you are fair. Your eyes look like a bird. Now, I don't know if I would say this, okay? This is probably not what you want to say. You don't want to look at your girlfriend or your wife tonight and go, you've got dove's eyes. They will probably go, okay, peck, peck. I mean, it's like, it's like, okay, but this was like a love term, okay? And what he's saying is your eyes are so beautiful. Your eyes are so gentle. And they're walking hand in hand in the forest. You are fair. You are lovely. Your eyes look like a bird. Okay, just imagine the moment. And there's like, maybe, maybe put some music behind. She, he's going, you're so excellent. Look what he says, my love. They've already got a pet name, okay? First date, they've already got a pet name. My love. You've got dove's eyes. Oh, your eyes are so gentle. They're so peaceful. And what's he doing? Staring right in her eyes. Now look how she responds. Verse 16. Behold. Well, you're handsome, my beloved. Ooh, yes, pleasant. Also, I want to remind you something. Our bed is green. The beams of our houses are cedar and our rafters of fir. I am the rose of Sharon in the lily of the valleys. You think I'm kidding. They're now lying down. And he's lying here. And she's lying here. And they're holding hands. And they're looking up. And the trees are above them. And she's all worked up. And he's done such a great job of building her up. You are so fair. You're so beautiful. You're so wonderful. 
Well, you're so handsome and you're making me feel like the Rose of Sharon. I said to you, don't look at me, but keep coming, babe. Oh, I love it. You are building me up in the wrong place. In the wrong place. Because men have a tendency to give love to get something. And women have a tendency to give something to get love. And you've got to begin to question his motives at this point. Why are you alone building her up in a forest lying down? What's going on? Well, first and foremost, they're sharing their hearts too soon. It's like going to the movie for the first time and he yawns. And the next thing you know, it's like, wait a second, this is date one. Move your hand, bro. Like, back off. Uber. Did you hear that? Uber, I'm out. What happened to prolonging the feeling of the butterflies? What happened to the wait a few weeks before you start calling each other babe, honey, and sweetie? What happened to the little house on the prairie? Some of you are like, what's that? Who knows Little House and Prairie? Anyone? Okay. For those of you that didn't raise your hand, talk to the old people. They know. Okay? <laughs> Noah, uh, you don't have any idea what Little House and Prairie is, do you? Oh, you do? Oh, praise the Lord. I knew I liked you. <laughs> we tend to share our heart too soon. Let the butterflies last a little bit longer. We tend to share too soon. Now, it's not bad to share your heart, but place and timing is everything. They're lying down in the grass. This is the wrong time to be saying, my love, you're handsome, you're so wonderful, you got dove's eyes. Like This is the wrong time to do this. I even say, don't pray together after 11 o'clock because this is it. You're in the car. Here he is. Here you are. Here she is. And Jesus, I want to thank you for what you do in our life. Go home. Call each other on the phone and pray. It's too dangerous after 11 o'clock. It's too intimate because spirituality is, is sexy. And when he looks spiritual and you look spiritual and you're just like this part and you it's like all of a sudden your lips got injected with Botox. <laughs> Someone say amen. amen. Take a look what happens. Like a lily among the thorns, so is my love among the daughters. Something's happening. And he's making it very clear, I'm going to romance you because I see where this is going. And he begins the process. And what he's saying to her is, you are like a, a, a lily among thorns. In other words, once again, another way for him to say, you're like the only woman in the world. You're the most beautiful woman in the world, she responds. 
like an apple tree among the trees of the woods. I need to remind you there are no apple trees in the woods. So is my beloved among the sons. She responds and says, you're the most handsome person in the entire world. I sat down in his shade with great delight and his fruit was sweet to my taste. Okay, back up a little bit. What she's saying, that's okay. What she's saying, Song of Solomon's being read to me. I love it. What she's saying is, I can't believe I found someone like you and where my brothers put me out in the sun, I get to sit in your shade. Let me tell you what's happened. They were lying like this. Now they're lying like this. Uh Uh-oh. And she knows there's an apple tree. If you're dating and there's apple trees, there's a problem. Some of you can't believe I just said that. Wait, take a look. He brought me to the banqueting house. She's saying, I am drunk with love. I'm drunk with love. His banner over me was love. Oh, no, wait. No, 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 no. That's not love. That's lust. Sustain me with cakes of raisins. Now, let me tell you what she's saying. Cakes of raisins was an aphrodisiac. When David dedicated, excuse me, when Solomon dedicated the temple, he gave every one of the children of Israel raisin cakes. And he sent them home. What he was saying is, go home and procreate. Make the nation. She says, sustain me with cakes of raisin. Then she says, refresh me with apples. For I'm lovesick. She's chosen to give in. They were like this. They went like this. His fruit is sweet to her taste. They're making out. And it all started so well. It all started so spiritual. He's on top of her. Verse 7. Before I go there, youth pastor, friend of mine, did everything right. He was planning a surprise party for his fiancée. And they were a godly, godly couple. She forgot her purse. So they went back into the house. He's there. She came down. He says, you are beautiful, alone in the house together. The next thing you know, They're there on the couch, buck naked, and the entire party. Surprise. Ouch. You see, 
see our biology is very powerful. And God is opening up the door to help us realize how powerful it is. We can even confuse lust for love. And look what happens here. Verse 7. I charge you. Oh, so verse 6. His left hand, okay, is under my head. And, sorry, his left hand is under my head and his right hand embraces me. Do you see how close they are? She's in his shade, and we got the left and the right. This is not a good position, lying down in a forest. And then all of a sudden, verse 7, I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or by the does of the field, do not stir up nor awaken love until it pleases. Here's what he does. Whoa! What are we doing? Cold shower. I'm out. See ya. God bless you. You're walking home on your own. He realizes I am leading her to a place that's not right. And he stands up and he does something spiritual. And he's proving to us the character that he was. I'm a godly man. And I'm about to make a mistake with a godly woman. And he chooses to stand up and say, I'm standing for God. Don't stir or awaken love until the right time. Now, you're sitting here listening tonight. And maybe you're married. Okay, Chet, we did not do it like this. Like, (laughs) that's, okay, we got a lot to work on. No, Jesus, he went to the cross and he did all the work for you. So that if you entered into marriage in a way that did not honor God, the Lord offers for you a purity. He offers for you a cleansing. He offers for you a redemption that only he can offer. And simply with Lord, forgive me. Oh, that's too easy. I mean, I got to do something, right? Isn't there a 10-step program so that we can make my marriage right? Yeah. He did it for you. It was called the cross. And he did all of the hard work so that you could simply come and say, Lord, redeem us. We confess. Now, if you're in a relationship, this is your chance, and you're not married, to stand up and say, we're going to stand for God. That's the way we're going to do our relationship. Amen? Amen. Now, let's keep Sunday nights in Sunday nights. Amen? I'm kidding. Here's my hope. God is showing us very vividly and poetically the right way to do relationship. And if we choose to do relationship his way, you will honor God. And that is the most important thing in life. A happy marriage is the fruit of honoring God. Joy is the fruit of honoring God. Choose his way. Father, thank you so much for the great grace of Song of Solomon.
You showed us how to do relationships right. And if we didn't, you provide redemption for us. So my prayer tonight, be glorified in our marriages and in our relationships. And Lord, use tonight to bring redemption. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.